So <clears throat> shortly after the voice I heard in my left ear, sleep paralysis in Long Beach, I had already made a plan to go to Peru to do ayahuasca. And <clears throat> I was on my way to China. I left everything behind. Like there were some girls. I I had a promotion because like I said, I had just done my book. And I just wanted people to read the book. I didn't again I, <laughs> I never changed from the paperboy dude. Twenty-five cents, right? <laughs> Out of two weeks. <laughs> I really didn't care about making money on the book. It was more about accomplishing a goal and then just seeing if somebody thought it was cool. So I did this ridiculous promotion. Like I, I was a camera guy, not not a not a still photographer. But I did a promotion and some people liked it. I said, okay, I'll do um, an hour photo shoot with you in the park somewhere. That way I don't have to pay for lighting and stuff like that. Um, if you buy the book. So I did that promotion for a week or two. And so many people said, okay, that, what the heck? The book was only, it was like less than $5. <laughs> so you're going to do a photo shoot of me and for an hour for $5? I was like, yeah, man, just, just buy the book. So it was these two girls or two ladies, young, young ladies. Um, they had just moved to LA and I, and I know that feeling when you just moved to LA and you got a little bit of money, you got a big hope, you got a big dream, and people trying to take advantage of you. So <clears throat> as I'm taking pictures of them um, in the park, they were you know, afraid to go home, and they were saying they got into a terrible situation, and this, this, that. And, and they, they seemed sincere. And I had my rent paid up for a couple months, three months or something. And I didn't have a plan, intention to stay in China forever. I just... Okay, I'm gonna go for. I was thinking maybe I would go for six months to a year. So I was thinking, okay, how about I just give these girls my apartment? Everything is already there, it's, it's beautiful, it's clean, it's taken care of, and the rent is paid up a little bit. Uh, the, the, the everything is paid up for a while, and get permission from the from the apartment <clears throat> and let them do a do an agreement where they can stay there. Uh, I forget what it's called. When you have a lease and somebody do a lease on from you, I forget what it's called. I've been out of the States too long. So anyway, um, sublease, sublease. So they can sublease it from me. So the apartment people say, yeah, right? <laughs> it's stupid me. So, long story short, I, I, I wasn't a bad judge, judge of character. I just think um, the girls just not necessarily taking advantage of me. They just were not as respectful of me as they should because I gave them a great situation. I was honest to them. I was so nice to them, and I don't know them. And so I got in a situation where I left for, for China, and long story short, all of my films, all of my stuff, all of my memorabilia that I accumulated, it all is gone like they... It was stolen and or uh, the apartment called me and said they auctioned it off for several thousand. And I was like, well, where's my money? But I just, <laughs> I just, I just, to this day, I don't think about it so much because I'm talking about 
over, I would say thousands of tapes of all kinds of memories, all kinds of things, that all kinds of great people that I filmed. Somebody has it. Either they threw it away or they auctioned it and somebody knew like this stuff is from all kind of major events and all so-called famous people on it. So somebody either has it or they threw it in the trash. Uh, either way, all of my things are gone, man. All of my things from that I left in my apartment are gone. My pictures, my college pictures, my awards. I didn't have so many awards and stuff there from college and stuff, but I still had some stuff there. Uh, so many things I've had from different countries and all kind of things, man, are all gone. Um, but that all was a part of just feeling the need to listen. Like I had an urgent need to just listen and go. And so I didn't make the best decision maybe by giving my apartment to two people I didn't know. Um, maybe I should have just given up my apartment. I just liked it. It was, it was a perfect location for me. And L.A. rent is high anyway, but it was low high enough <laughs> for me to still pay while I'm not there. I just was like, okay, here's two sisters, and they just got here, and why not help them? And I don't have any bad feelings towards them. It's just I don't think they did something bad towards me personally. I just think they, wasn't, they were not as respectful of the opportunity and the kindness that I presented to them. So, but I, I, I don't take anything personal, even though I lost so many things. It's just things. If I were to die, all the things that I have, it's the same thing will happen. It's just going to be gone, thrown away, auctioned, whatever. So it's all the same. So even though I feel bad about it as I tell this part of the story, from one perspective, I don't have any of my things. At the same, on the, on the same token, just the other side, is like, it doesn't matter so much. It's just stuff anyway. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff, but I I didn't even have to get over it. I just like, it is what it is, man. That, that was the choice I made. I needed to leave and I wanted to still have a place to come back to if something was not so great because I didn't research China. It could have been terrible. And I came back the next month or the next week, you know? So I, I, I thought I was making the best decision. You know, every time you hear something from... I'm going to stick with that it was God who talked to me. Every time you hear something, doesn't mean that every single part, like you have it worked out, you know? So if that was a mistake on my part, it was a small price to pay for, for everything that has come uh, with this journey that's been difficult and great. And the difficult stuff is just as great as the stuff that I consider, well, anybody would consider great because... It's all a part of the journey. And even the fact that I lost everything, that makes me telling this story right now on this new little, this new way of me speaking to somebody other than myself, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully somebody listened. That's even more interesting. It's just another layer, you know, even if it's foolish, it doesn't matter. It was something I did. And if it was foolish, hopefully the next person won't give their apartment to some people they don't know. But what did I lose? I didn't lose my life. I didn't lose my personality. I didn't lose anything. I just lost some things, you know, my sofas, my my cameras, my film uh, stuff. You know, I just I just lost some stuff, you know. Um, the saddest thing I lost, like I can't lie to you, the thing that I, it's two things that I think about the most. Uh, just as far as things, not in addition to all my tapes. My gosh.
But I was fortunate enough, and I say this, in, and I don't mean fortunate from one perspective, because it's a man's funeral, technically, but I went to MJ's memorial, you know, at the Staples Center, and I have all that stuff, man. That day was like, I was like a kid getting my dream, but at the same time, it was like, even though I don't think he was in the casket, it still was like, here's a kid in Detroit, so little, so young, who really admired this man for more than what most people admire him for. And I kept that passion and love for this dude that most people may not look at. I looked at something that's not just his talent. It was something else I was looking at, the excellence part. And I put that into my own experience. It was all the things I was doing. I don't care if it was homework. I wanted to do my homework like Michael Jackson danced across the Grammy stage, you know. Like I, I took this excellence that I saw in him and I and I wanted to put that in everything. And so I just admired the whole family, but you know, MJ, I, I, I admired it so much. And I wanted to do a documentary with him. That's the thing I had wrote to the to his people at MJJ. I told you, they said, yeah, that's dope. Because as great as MJ is and as much stuff is out there, I don't think there's a documentary that's great enough for all that the Jacksons have accomplished. And I don't want to get into the Janet part. The Janet part still feels different, the girls. But I'm talking about the Jacksons, the Jackson 5, MJ, that Jermaine. I, I just... I just think that it's not a good documentary out there on, on them. I just don't think so. Because the, the most interesting part of the Jacksons to me is the stuff from when they were younger, when it was exciting even for them, you know, like the 60s and the 70s. It was just more exciting. They were more together. Even when Jermaine left, like all, and I heard, and I, and I know Jermaine didn't tour when he was by himself, but like just all the studio time, like there's not footage that I've personally seen of actual studio time. I don't even know if footage exists. There's not a lot of concerts from when they first were starting that I've personally seen. There's some, and I've seen all of the ones that I can see, I think. I think I've seen them all. But I think there's, well, I know there's so much more stuff. And people are such in a rush to try to, first of all, when you hear about the Osmonds, right? Let's just use that for example. You don't hear about the nonsense in their family. You just hear the Osmonds, like, right? But MJ, you hear, okay, yeah, he's right, 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 But you jump to the, yeah, his daddy used to beat him, and his mama is this, and this, and this, and it's so strange, and the makeup, and the, and the changing of the face. And, and it's like, what the hell? There is so much of a story that's missing, that's absent. My pitch to them was to literally, because I didn't know if the footage existed, because everything is not like it is now, then. But I know people take pictures of everything. The premise of the documentary I wanted to do with MJ and the and all of the brothers and the and the parents as well was to look through pictures, through old pictures, and have them tell stories through pictures. Because it's that part that's so magical to me, like the beginning when they didn't have so much on their little in their little van, going to Motown, all this stuff you hear. But some of the stuff is just you know, to sell a story. It's not true. Like Diana Ross didn't discover them, for example, right? But really somebody did discover them, you know. They did go to the Apollo. Are there pictures of the early days at the Apollo? 
all these things where they, you know, when they were re doing rehearsals in the back, you know, like there's one picture I saw MJ in some braids. I never saw Michael Jackson in some, some cornrows before. It's a cornrow Michael Jackson picture I saw. So it's like all these stories that can be told through them to tell the, the, the strength, the beauty, the struggle, the real thing behind all of the fancy stuff. And, and and not to jump into the negatives, man. Like, I don't care how MJ looked. I don't care about... And I mean this respectfully, but assuming because he wasn't convicted, he didn't do the things that, that were said he did, right? Let's just go on what was proven and not proven. Why do I need to go down the path of that stuff? Because if he had... Let's say, even if you want to talk about that stuff, if he did it, I wouldn't really want to promote that anyway. So I wouldn't really want to do a documentary on that. So what's the need of me talking bad about him? Because I don't need to do a documentary with a person who's raping kids, right? But that's not the story. That's the bullcrap story that people put out. Because none of us know. If we knew, then we know. So the point I'm making is... To this day, I think MJ, the Jacksons, the Jackson 5, do not have a quality documentary. Another thing I can't stand about the documentaries that are out, my gosh, they rush to the people that's popular. Beyonce, Questlove, my God, Questlove. I remember I interviewed Questlove in college. The Roots came and did a show. I wanted to interview Black Thought. I interviewed uh, Questlove. Now, granted, he was talking about stuff that was over my head, and that's my ignorance. It wasn't him. But even if I knew what he was talking about 100%, this dude talks so much. I'm like, man, man, okay, man, just, okay, enough. Beyonce, I have nothing against her. But, like, when people talk with a younger voice about something that happened before their time even, to me, it takes away from it. It takes away from the documentary feeling. Like, you know, as much as I love Missy, like it's like Missy talking and some dude from Europe talking and Quest Love and, and, and Beyonce. It's like, yo, man, no, that's not who I want to hear. Yes, I want to hear Suzanne of the Past. Yes, I want to hear Quincy. Yes, I want to hear Mouse. Yes, I want to hear these people whom names we don't know talk about them. But more importantly, let's just show, okay, Joseph standing off stage and what, you know, it's like as they're doing these shows and. Oh, it's just so many things left there that's that's not shown. So when MJ passed away, there I was sitting in the Staples Center, um, and I was like, I would be, let's say it was on the basketball court, right? Let's say one goal is goal one, and the other goal is goal two. There was no goal two, right? It was only goal one, basketball goal one, right? And so that's where the stage was. And I would be at half court right above the ground seating. So there's there's a lower level where all of the so-called famous people were, the Liz Taylors and the director of Thriller and Larry King and the Pat family and all these people. So everybody was sitting down there and I was like mid center court, like like two rows up. And so I was so close to everything that was happening. And I remember, I noticed my sound off topic a little bit because I'm still trying to get someplace about my spiritual path, but this is all part of it, walking away from all this stuff. 
I remember sitting there feeling like this, the smallest little kid, so sad that this person, and I, and I didn't experience so much death at all in my life, fortunately. But it, was, it wasn't even about the death part. It was like, what did we do to this person? Because that experience was not for Michael Jackson, the person. It was not. It was not. Like, it was so... It was so many things going on in there that I just was like, this is ridiculous, man. Like, it's some stuff that I... If I say it now, because I remember Kobe did something I just thought was just so far across the line. I just thought it was... It was so many elements in there where I'm sitting there and people are taking pictures of all of the so-called celebrities and not just taking quiet pictures. <gasps> oh, there go this person. <gasps> oh, look, there go that person. <gasps> oh, look. And I just couldn't. It's not that I can't believe it. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm. I, I live in Hollywood. I, I. I know what it is. Like a lot of funerals, it's time for people to connect and get money at that time. So I. I'm not. I'm not naive to what happens. But that don't mean I have to be a part of it, and I was not. And all of the great people. I mean, as much as I love Quincy Jones, like he's right there. But I'm not taking a picture of this dude. It's like, granted, MJ is not in the casket. I just knew for sure he's not in the casket. But it's still. There for him. His mother is there, man. The woman who he came out of. His daddy is there. His siblings, his kids are there. And people are yelling and screaming as if they're at the awards show. And like I say, I know Kobe's passed away and people are so sensitive towards Kobe. But I remember something happened that I just could not get over. Prior to that year, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not, the Lakers had won the championship. Michael Jackson passed away, uh, what was it, 2009, like June or something like that. So the championship was fresh. Or at least the final. So I think it was, they won the championship. If I'm not mistaken, I think they won. But I know they got there. So um, it's in there. And and on the I never watched it on TV. But in there, it was like it was like this purple hue. Like they had this, like this lavender vibe going in there. And it was quiet. And it was, all you would notice, the colors was black and purple. It was just like that. It was like beautiful and yet so dark. But not dark in, in, a, in that kind of a way. Just dark as far as the coloring. So it was quiet in there. And then, like I said, you got the people, they're talking about celebrities. Oh, 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 oh. You hear all that. But it's still relatively quiet. This is the part, and again, I know he's passed away. And this is no disrespect to him. He can't defend himself, but this really happened, man. I remember seeing Magic Johnson come in. Magic Johnson is six foot nine. He's like an inch or two taller than Kobe. He's like the most beloved person in Los Angeles. I don't care who he is. It was like the front part. So again, they say basket one and basket two. Basket two, there was no no people. So the the stage is at basket one. So that was like. I guess where you would enter this, 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 the floor if you're a basketball team. I remember Smokey Robinson came in. I remember another person came in. Then I remember this big tall dude came in. It was Magic, and he came in through the front. So even though these people were coming in, they were coming in through the front and the sides, you couldn't really see who they were. Magic stand out because he's so tall and he's giant. And But Magic, and, and, and Magic is a lover of attention, right? 
but he didn't he didn't he chose to come in where people won't notice him unless they notice him. It just was more simple. Now it's not all Kobe's fault. It's not Kobe's fault necessarily. But this is the problem I had with it. <clears throat> the the Staples Center, nobody knows the Staples Center more than the players. Nobody knows it more than the players whatsoever. And so it's like when no, let me just stay on this topic. I'm sitting, like I said, I'm, I will be at center court, uh, right above the floor. Like, I think it was two or three rows higher up than the floor. <clears throat> and so, and I remember they had like this hockey thing around the rim, like, so people can't just walk onto the floor. So like this hockey type thing up. So anyway, fresh off of winning a championship, being so beloved, being such a star, this dude and his wife came in from the back. So it would be where basket two is. From the back and walked all the way to the front. Now, one could say, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that, man? Dude just walking. He ain't doing nothing. The whole freaking stadium started saying, Kobe. Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. This really happened. I couldn't believe it. And this dude was making his face like, no, don't be quiet. I'm like, man, get out of here, man. Like, it's just so many things happen that's so Hollywood. It's so Hollywood because to come from the back knowing you're Kobe Bryant, knowing you're in this stadium, knowing you're fresh off of a trip to the finals, knowing this. Knowing people probably never saw you before and really admire you. And you stand out. Man, this dude came from all the way where be where be basket to and walked all the way to the front. I am not telling you anything false. I would never forget this as long as I live. And the, when I was watching his services with MJ and all this, I wasn't there. I was here in China. I wasn't there. But I'm, I, I didn't hear, I didn't hear anybody doing that. Michael, Michael, I, 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 maybe, I, maybe I missed it. I don't know. I watched it a little. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But even for him, I would say the same thing. It would be disrespectful if somebody can avoid the attention during a time like that. I remember so many things like this, man. And so my point is I'm sitting there like this little bitty kid who... When I watched MJ for the first time, when I was singing in a room with my auntie, I thought my auntie was magical because she can sing just like Michael Jackson. Like, I, 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 just, I just remember all these moments. And I remember just wanting to sit and watch, look at old pictures with him. Not, not even video. Just look at old pictures with him. And I remember at that moment, even though he was passed away, and again, I don't think he was in that casket, um, I still felt like I got my wish, man. Like... I was on this. I was in this place with him, looking at old pictures. Because on this screen, they were showing all these pictures of him when he was little with his brothers and this and that. And so, in that apartment, I have some memorabilia from that that I think is really important. And for, well, for me, you know, for me, and uh, that's gone. And another couple of things was when Barack Obama became um, president. Is several pieces of memorabilia I have him. First of all. I collected every, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when Barack Obama was 
um, becoming president and was finally elected president, every single magazine wanted to make more money. So what did they have on the cover? It was Barack Obama. I don't care. It could have been a magazine about Persian food. Like, <laughs> like Barack Obama was on the cover. And I spent hundreds of dollars collecting everything with Barack Obama's face on it. I just collected every single thing. I remember it was comic books out with Barack Obama's face on the front of it. Like I collected every single magazine, newspaper, every single thing of Barack Obama, man. I, and that stuff got to be worth money right now. But again, it's not even about the money. It's like, okay, I didn't have a kid. I had nothing like that. But if I ever had something, like this would be cool. Like I collected all of this stuff while it was happening. And then, like I said before, I was fortunate enough to go to the Leno sh uh, Tonight Show with Jay Leno when he brought on uh, Barack Obama. And I have the tickets and I have all that. I I was interviewed. I was on like this Israeli channel. I remember one of my friends like, Jay, you met the president? I was like, yeah. How, how you know? You were in Israel. It's like, Yo! You were on TV in Israel. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, I did, some, I did some interviews, but I didn't know where the outlets were. But so much of the stuff that I have from meeting Barack Obama that day, I I, I don't have that stuff anymore. I have some pictures when he came down my street um, in L.A., but I don't have, because that, that stuff was digital, but I don't have that stuff I had collected. I don't have the tickets from Jay Leno's show. I don't have any of that stuff anymore. And on top of that... Um, one of my friends worked Secret Service, uh, uh, well, was the lead of Secret Service for a while. And, you know, L.A. has everybody, right? And so on the day he was being inaugurated, uh, all of the Secret Service were wearing these pendants, like gold with some diamond or something in it. And he was like, yes, not so many people have this. And he gave me one. He gave me one. So I, I have, well, I had that. So I, I hid that inside of something. So I don't know who got my stuff or what happened to it, but somebody got that. <laughs> somebody got that. Somebody got those, that that Barack Obama stuff. Somebody got all that stuff, man. And I have so many more things, man. But the point of bringing up these things is like, it didn't matter really. I, I had to go and I made the choice and, even if I didn't make all the right decisions, I I made the decisions I made. And so I left everything behind and I left for China. So after going to China, like I, I was there and I was like, this is the most boring city ever. But it was perfect for me because in L.A. is fast paced, man. I had two cell phones always on a grind, on a hustle, looking to do this, looking to do that. Get people calling. I'm calling, text, 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 this, this, this. And for the first time in, in like a decade and a half or so, um, it was like boring. Well, actually, I can't even say that. Like two decades, because my life never been boring, actually. <laughs> it's never been boring. My life was never boring since like, what, middle school or something. Like even before that, my family was awesome. But I just mean my own things. Like, yeah, man, it was just never was boring. And so for the first time in my life, like I'm in a place that's boring. And and again, I don't mean that from a bad perspective. I mean it where it's like nothing can compare to New York and L.A. New York, L.A., Las Vegas, as far as America goes. But I mean, in the whole world, like it's you'll be hard pressed to find a place that's like L.A. Like you got places that's greatness, but L.A. has 
everything. Like it's everything you want to. If you want to go to the snow, you can go to the snow in LA. You want to be warm, you you go to the beach. You you want to play basketball, you want to make a movie, you want to sing songs, you want to produce, you want anything you anything you want to do is available in LA. Well, in the city I was in in Zhengzhou in China, it's not the same at all. So, in a blink of an eye, I went from everything doing everything to what? I can't read, I can't speak. There's nothing to do. Now I'm in a classroom with some kids peeing on themselves and and it's like all like what what did I just do? But actually I never said what did I just do? I never did. I just started immediately enjoying that part of the process. Like so I really enjoyed uh suddenly teaching, being a full-time teacher, man. Like I went from I mean I taught all the time in my life but just not like a classroom teacher. I could never be a classroom teacher in California in America period. I I could never be. My life is too was too fast. And I have too many interests and everything is is available to me to do. If I think about okay, I want to start a new business, I want to try this, I want to do this, I want to do this. I'm just going to do it. But here I couldn't speak. I'm a foreigner. Like I'm busy the whole day in a school, the whole day. When I leave, it's dark. When I go home, it's dark. So I'm like, man, that stuff wouldn't fly right now. So I just um, started appreciating the journey that I was now on. So I was there for a little less than a year. And. Like I said, I was enjoying it to the point where I didn't want to leave, man. I didn't want to leave. Like, I just was like, man, there is something so charming about China. And I don't want to speak for the whole country because I don't know the whole country even now. But the some of the negative things you hear is not true at all. Like, at all. Like, it's just not true at all, man. Like, you think people are only... Talking, thinking about getting money in a certain kind of way in America. Absolutely not. Like, China's like, it's all about getting money, man. And take, for example, again, I didn't have personal problems with police officers. I mean, one time they stopped me. They put a gun on me. I was in high school. I was coming from cross-country practice. They pulled a gun on me, man. They First of all, they drove up on the sidewalk. They jumped out of the car with two guns pointed at a, what am I, 15-year-old kid? They pointed a gun at me, told me to get on the ground and spread out. And it's like a hardware store they drove up on the side. And that hardware store, I, my whole family, we always go there. This guy, they knew us for since we were small little kids. And we're in a nice neighborhood. We're not in the, the hood at all. So it's like you don't see police officers doing that. And I'm coming from cross-country practice. And um, the cops just drive from across the street, up on the sidewalk, jump out of the car, put two guns on my face and say, get on the ground. I, man, I don't know what stopped me from not peeing on myself, man. I, I can't be fake ever. Like, I'm, 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 I'm a bit, I was a big kid. I was tall at the time and all this, but I'm still a kid. And I don't, I don't like guns to this day. I don't. I don't associate, I don't, I don't have any interaction with guns. 
And I've never had a bad experience with a police officer. At, at that time in my mind, police officers are, are somewhat heroic, like firefighters, you know, like, I mean, I, I can never compare them to firefighters because I still think firefighters are heroes, but, but, uh, not every police officer is a hero at all. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, so that, that happened to me. They drove up on the sidewalk. They put two guns in my face. Get on the ground, get on the ground, man. I'm scared as hell. I'm crying. Like you don't hear me. You don't hear me crying, but tears are coming out because I'm so terrified. I'm so terrified. And I remember the dude from the, from the Ace Hardware store came out and he, he's like, I know this kid. I remember that. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, this guy probably think I did something bad. And I didn't know why they did it. And so suddenly one of them got on the phone like, no, this, this is not this guy. And they just got in the car and left. But when he was getting ready to get up, I was like, my mother always told us if something were to ever happen, get a badge number. I remember with tears in my eye, like, you a badge number. And the dude just got in the car and drove off. He didn't even pay no attention to me, right? So that was a story that really happened. They put a gun on me, like the most innocent, nicest kid you can ever imagine at that time. It's just, I'm not, I'm not saying it because it's me. I'm saying it because it's the truth. If I ever had a son, which I don't, but if I ever had a son and he was like me when I was like that, I, I would be so proud of that kid because I was my own person. I didn't follow. I didn't do anything bad. I didn't do drink, don't smoke, don't do nothing. I was leaving cross country practice and two cops Roll two white dudes roll up on me, put guns in my face, scaring the anything out of me. And on top of it, I found out who they were looking for. Now, I'm not the most lightest dude in the world, but I'm a beautiful brown brother, right? The dude that they were looking for was absolutely midnight dark. And there's nothing wrong with the, my, my dark-skinned brothers. It's not, I'm not saying it from a comparative perspective like that. I just mean this dude was absolutely dark. On top of it, at the time, I'm like 6'1", 6'2". This guy's like 5'7". So they're like, yeah, later on that night, we, we all found out. They're looking for the guy who, who robbed the bank. It's the bank on my grandma street. Because my grandma lived six blocks away from us at the time. And so somebody had robbed a bank. This dude is an adult. I'm a kid. He got a mustache. I don't. He's short. I'm tall. He's dark. I'm beautifully brown. <laughs> He's beautifully dark and I'm beautifully brown. I don't even match this dude at all. I don't even know why they would jump out of the car and I'm a kid. They were looking for a 20, 30 year old man. I'm a kid and, and I look young now. When I'm 15 years old, I probably look 10 in the face. They did that to me. That's my, that's the main, there's one other smaller thing, but that's, that's the only interaction I ever really had with a cop. But, but they did that to me. They, they threw me on, they, they didn't throw me on the ground. They forced me on the ground with their guns. They scared the hell out of me. Then they jumped in the car, didn't give me the badge number when I asked for it. And they just drove off. And the Ace Hardware guy, I remember he was so kind to me. That's why I don't get into this race bullshit that people talk about. Because this dude is an old white dude. He's an old white dude, and he knows that my mom come in there, and he can see that we're good kids. We ain't cause no problems. And I was ashamed and embarrassed because I didn't want him to think I did do something bad. But he knew that they they do something wrong. He didn't do anything except for help me get up off the ground, and he called my mom. 
So, like, that's why I don't get into all this old race bullshit that people try to put over you because there's badass people in every bunch and there's good people in every bunch. So I don't get into this race bullshit that people talk about, man. I really don't because that dude, it was two dumbass white cops who did that to me, but it was this old white dude who picked me up off the ground and wiped the tears from my face and called my mom. Even though he, the, the Ace Hardware store is, is on my block, it's like, you know, a typical neighborhood block. You walk to the corner, you turn left, and his store is basically right there. So it's not facing any houses. It's on the it's on the road, but he that's what he did for me, man. He did that. He helped me. Not not anybody else. Now nobody else ran over there and helped me. He did. I tell you that story to to contrast being in China. On many occasions. I have interacted with cops here. In America, I've only interacted with them once or twice. Here, I interact with them regularly. But the interaction is, most of the time, they want to take a picture with me. I was I was in a car. One of, one of my friend's relatives is a police officer. And I had to go get my visa. And they gave me a ride. I'm in the car, and I see these eyes keep looking in the rearview mirror because I'm sitting in the back. And finally, we get ready to get out, and they just get the courage, like, okay, man, I want to take a picture. And so they all pose and, like, so happily to take a picture with me. I remember when I first came to China, I'm in a whole police station, and people want to take pictures with me. It's like <clears throat> so many of the things that people say are so false. People just uh, parrot what they hear. They They... That doesn't mean everything is so perfect. But I'll be damned if it's not totally different than what people taught us in school, what people say. You hear all this nonsense about the political stuff, which I don't get involved with here or there. I really don't care. And you see so many of the people are just great, beautiful people, no different than anybody else. And so my experience in China was... Phenomenal. Many people talk about the race thing. It's not, I, I, even while I'm here now, you know, a lot of the people, especially the African brothers, they get a different reaction, unfortunately, sometimes. But most of the people, when they ask you, are you Fajo or Ran? Fajo is, is Africa or Magua or Ran, they think all Americans are white. I'm like, that's the most ignorant bullshit ever. Like, the the original the aborigines of America before it was raped and pillaged by white people they are they look like me they don't look like white people use ignorant dummies learn something so people think many of the people think all Americans are white people I'm like man good lord man like so much racism has spread across the world but I can't blame them they they don't know nothing they're from small villages small towns they they not the bad guys. So many people think that they're racist or something. It's not really racist. It's ignorance. Most of it comes from ignorance. They're, it's like if you go any place in China, no matter even if you're in Shanghai or Beijing or the, the biggest cities in China where it's the most you will see of the foreigners or the international people, when you walk out of any place, it's, you're still going to see 95 plus percent to be all Chinese people. So there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is people don't regularly see people who look different. 
So people want to see you, want to touch your hair, want to touch your skin so you can wipe it off. And, and a lot of people automatically think that that's racist, automatically go to something negative when a lot of it is curiosity. Uh, there was a kid who touched my skin one time and was just staring at my skin. And I could see the whole story going through his head. It's like, okay, don't wipe off. Oh, okay. And he just walked away. And he's like one of the nicest little kids <laughs> ever. And so it's like, People just never seen something before, and they may not say the right thing. Is no, and I'm not excusing ignorant things, and definitely not excusing the racist stuff, because you you experience that too. But my point is, from hearing something in my head to leave America, and to pick China, like it has been the great one of the greatest, and I had some great experiences in my life, but it's been one of the it's been let's put it like this. It's so great that in 2000, uh, what is it, 2012, 2013, yeah, 2013, I arrived in, in, in China. Minus leaving one year because my mom was passing away, I've been living here. And so I would not change this for anything, even with being offered such great opportunities in LA, I just wouldn't change it. And I have... Since I was little, I had an admiration for such Chinese culture. Just from it started from kung fu. Just to be honest, it started from there. My brothers and I were we were just obsessed with with Bruce Lee and kung fu. We just were, um, but it evolved into other things. And like when you learn the culture, like of all the food in the world, it's ranked number two behind Italy as far as the food. And I know why because it's so many different styles, so many different tastes. Uh, uh, it's so many different things and, and the country is a beautiful country and it's it's so many great things. Yes, you got some bad things or some ignorant things, but it's so great. And so my point is I I listened and it turned out to be something that was that I really enjoyed, even down to the teaching part. Like I really took it seriously. I wasn't one of the little fly by night people. Yeah, I'm teaching English. It wasn't like that. I, I took it seriously. I act like I knew nothing, and I studied, and I and I prepared, and I went. I got to school every day between six and six thirty. School don't start to eight, but I get there an hour and a half early every single day, so I can start to prepare and learn how to deliver something. Because you're not just teaching a subject; you're teaching a language and a subject and a culture, and you're teaching so many different layers, and so uh, you have to prepare for that. And so I, I taught myself and I learned and I observed. I'm naturally gifted at doing it. My mother was right. It's a natural gift of mine. But even if you have a natural gift, you still need to uh, pay attention and grow and build and learn. So I went through all of those steps and I started really loving everything about these kids, man. Like I was their first teacher for the hell with Laowai. Laowai is foreigner, you know, like Weigarin and Weigar Laosher and all this Laosher's teacher. Instead of all that stuff that you would hear, at the end of the day, these parents just want their kids to be successful. And when they see that you are serious about their kid, they love you. They want to give you red pockets. Red pockets is like anything, give you gifts, money, everything. We don't, I don't take it, but uh, they really give you anything because they can see that you can help their kid, man. And uh, so many of the kids, they're just awesome. Like, for, like to the, I'm jumping ahead, way ahead now, but 
I've always been a person open to everything and everybody. I have respect for every single body and every single person and every single thing. So I've always been that person. But in, in addition to that, I can honestly say I never said I was teaching a Chinese kid. I never said that not once. I never thought that not once. I'm teaching a little kid. And at, and after you're doing it for so long, they all like little rats anyway, right? So I'm just teaching these little rats. Like, it's no different. One rat is no different from another little rat, right? They all little little rats running around, right? But you love these little rats. It's never, it, to me, it's never about where they're from or something like that. Never. Because, like, you start to love these little souls and you start to, especially a person like me that takes things, you know, seriously. Because, okay. And again, sometimes it might seem like I'm getting way off of where I'm trying to go. But hey, this is a podcast, whatever. But I'm not. It's so many in-depth things. It's all attached. Uh, when a person such as me go to a place like China, right, where 90 plus percent of the people, especially when I first came, I was not in Beijing. I was in Zhengzhou. They don't have that many people that's not from China. So first of all, they see you and you look different. They find out that you are an American. Okay, now, do you got a gun? I don't have a gun. I don't like that. <laughs> Once they now they get past that, every every person in America got a gun, right? Get past that, and they see that you look different. Now, now you're a brother. You're hey ran and all this. Well, I hold up something. This is black, right? Hey, it's black, right? So this is black. And I put my arm next to it. Now look at me. Am I? No, you're not black. <laughs> you're Donsa. Right? That's brown. Right? So how are you calling me Hayran? Okay? So let's start there. Right? So let's, let's, let's break down what you're saying. And let me show you why you're saying it. And where, you, where are you getting this from? Okay? Where are you getting this from? And so I'm not doing it by talking. I'm doing it by showing and being excellent. So they're looking at your skin color. Then they're looking at, uh, okay, you are from America. And so they watch movies. And what are the negative portrayals of all brothers in movies? Pants are sagging, got a gun, raping, robbing, stealing. That's, that's all the movies you see here in China for the most part is these type of movies. That's not China's fault. That's America's fault for producing this bullshit. And, and, this, and actually, it goes to the brothers who's, who's doing those characters. Like, yeah, it's always somebody else who will do it. But that's bullshit, too. If you think about Ali, Ali will always talk about, even though some of these people he was friendly with, he would talk about all of them for making these black exploitation films, which was prevalent in his time. He would talk about them, who's taking money and, and look like they're selling dope and, and, and pimping out the women and sleeping with white women and doing this and doing this. And even though it sounded radical at that time, what he was saying was, I get offered the same things and I didn't do it. So, yes, somebody else did it. But the point is, what that man was saying, what he saw out of his beautiful vision was, it's going to be Jonathan walking around some places because he's not going to stay in America his whole life. He's going to live in Mexico. He's going to live in China. He's going to go visit Europe. He's going to go Canada. He's going to go to all these places. And when he goes to some place, this is, this is not my actual son, but he's my son. So when he goes someplace, I don't want everybody to look at him like he's some damn criminal. Well, that's what's happening because people... That's all they portrayed us as. So now when you go to another place, that's what they look at you as. So can we blame them? Hell no. Nah. We can blame the people who's putting out that bullshit and all the people who's portraying these characters. Because I had a mother who her son has a disability. 
in many of the classrooms I'm in, the kids with the disabilities are not so bright or something like that. They put in the back on the left or on the right. It never fails. You want to find the kid with a problem? Look in the back on the left or on the right. There he is. There she is. Well, her son is one of the kids in the back on the right. Well, I never treated him like the kid on the back on the right. I treated him just like every other one of the kids, man. And I treat all the kids, like I said, not like they're Chinese. I respect their culture that they're Chinese. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I treat them like kids, man. I treat them like kids who need somebody to inspire them. Start there. So I treat her son just like I treat the rest. Not better, not worse. The same. And she's never experienced that because he has a disability where she needed to be in the classroom or pay for somebody to be in the classroom with him. So she witnessed the way that I am with all of the kids for a whole year. So they put her in the office with me and the other English teachers. And I remember she started talking with me and crying to me when we were by ourselves, saying that she never met a black person before, but she was always afraid of black men. Like, why are you afraid of us? You never met one. And she specifically said this, because of the movies. So she's afraid of me. She never saw anybody like me. She never met anybody like me. She never talked to anybody like me. But she's already afraid of me. And she specifically said, because of the movies. Now, that is a fact. So anybody say that this, 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 this shit don't cause problems around the world and it contributes to uh, white supremacy and racism and, and ignorance, it does, man. All the media, it does. Because here's a mama who knows nothing about Jonathan. And yet she says she's afraid of me. And she's afraid of me not because I did something. She's afraid of me because what she saw in the movies. But as she moved on, and I got to know her for the whole year plus, because I was there for two years. As she got to see me and see me deal with the kids and how all the kids, when I come around, JJ, 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 it's like I'm a rock star. All of the kids, why do every single kid do this to me? Something special about me. Right. But it's not just me. It's everybody like me for the most part. The opposite of what you think. The most of the brothers who you meet, they're not like these criminals. Most of the brothers you meet are going to be stand out and excellent, just like me. So that's what it is. So you start to turn around these different ignorant perspectives, but it's not their own. So my point is I go to a place that's so boring from one perspective, but it's totally different from L.A., and now the things I'm doing actually have meaning, more meaning than meeting the president or meeting some cool entertainer or some singer or some dancer, or some basketball player or whatever. It's, it has some real meaning because in one example I just showed, I turned around a mother's whole idea. Now she absolutely loves me, man. She abs and, and, and I can go deeper to why she thinks all these things about me, but I won't. But it's all these things that I can show is so many experiences that were so real that you're turning around so many ideals. You can't turn around a whole country of people. Absolutely not. But person by person, family by family, kid by kid, teacher by teacher, parent by parent, you can change their perception of so many things. So now I'm living in a place where I feel like it's so much more meaning to what I'm doing. It's not glamorous at all. The money I'm making, because at that time, I wasn't even focused on the money. The money was nothing compared to what I was making. So I'm like, even though it's these things, I can't speak the language. I don't understand what people are saying. I can't read. 
I feel like a kid because people got to help me do every single thing. But at the same time, I feel like this is important. And I'm meeting hundreds, thousands of these kids, man. And I'm delivering them my best because, again, they're looking at how you look. They're looking at that you're not from here. Not always negative. Like, wow, you're from America? My gosh. Megua. Megua means beautiful country. Megua is beautiful country. That's what America is called in China. So they already have an idea that America is beautiful. It's great there. So now you're bringing some of their culture. My God, do you know Kobe? Do you know Michael Jordan? No, I don't know them. <laughs> but it's like now they get to touch somebody who's close to something as if Americans know everybody, Americans know everybody in America. <laughs> like, no, I don't know this person, man. No, I don't have a gun. That's the negative side. But no, I don't know Shaquille O'Neal either, right? <laughs> so... You go to all of these different things. And then now you're talking about being a teacher. Now that just now it's just about being a teacher. So now are you going to teach them the lies? So I had a whole I'm dealing and still I'm jumping ahead again, but still dealing with a whole thing of being taught everything we're taught for the most part are lies, right? The most educated person in this world knows nothing because the majority of the things that we know are all built built off of lies. So how the hell can anybody be educated, past tense? That's why I never use that educated term, because I think it doesn't exist. It's impossible to be educated. That means you learned everything that there is to learn, in my opinion. I would never say educated about anybody. So it's so many things to learn that's the truth, and I, was, I struggle in so many areas, like for example, there's books here where people are teaching that we come from monkeys. And many people believe that, even in America. And I'm like, man, I don't believe that shit. I don't believe it, but I'm not trying to give these people some religion or some spiritual thing or something. I'm just trying to give them a teacher who's going to find out what is true. If we really came from monkeys, then okay, let me teach that. But but I don't, I don't think so, and I don't know for sure. Not, nothing, there's no proof. That came from one philosopher saying we came from, we evolved from some monkeys. So now it's like you got to be a teacher. And how do you teach without being disrespectful to a culture, without being disrespectful to a country, without being disrespectful to people who believe in something different than you? But how can you teach something that's true to you and still be respectful to something that's actually not what you think? So it's a lot of learning curve involved in there because to be a teacher, I am like, okay, what are you teaching these people? And then everything you're teaching is not from the book. Like the book, anybody can teach from a book, but it's the nonverbals. One of my favorite teachers in the world, Mr. Lures, I didn't have any male examples. He had a little bald head in the middle like George, George Jefferson and a hair around the sides. But his hair was always shiny at the top. Like, my God, how do you get a perfectly bald head and it's shiny? He always wore a suit. He always smelled nice. He would, he, his muscles were coming out of the suit jacket. Like, I remember looking at Mr. Lewis, if he's still alive. Like, bless his heart, man. I remember staring at him. I remember he peddled me one time. I would think I had him in fourth grade. And I was heartbroken. Not because he was hitting me with a paddle. Like, I just like, I didn't want to disappoint Mr. Lewis. Because I looked at this man, not for what he was teaching me. I can't tell you anything I learned from Mr. Lores. I don't remember. 
But I remember he always dressed well. I remember he always smelled nice. I remember he was a handsome looking guy. And I'm not talking about from some fruity way. I mean, when you're a little boy and you don't have any male examples and you say people, this, this guy is like my mother thought George Benson was so handsome. I remember looking at George Benson. Uh, what's my man name from, from, a, from uh, Carl, Carl Weathers or Carl, the dude from Apollo Creed, right? Uh, George Benson, Apollo Creed, Billy D. My mama liked those three dudes. And I remember I would look at those guys like, I don't look nothing like them, but what does my mama like in these guys? Especially George Benson. She loved that dude. And I remember looking like, because I had no daddy around, like, okay, what is considered handsome? So that's what I mean. So Mr. Lures, I remember I looked at him like, okay, this dude is a handsome guy. He dressed well. He has a job. Like, he's nice. He's strong. Like, he's teaching kids. I remember looking at that. I didn't care about what he was teaching me. Well, maybe I cared then, but I don't remember one lesson. But I remember that man. And I remember he was a positive influence on me. And so my point is, so you're a foreigner, then you're a brother, then you're a teacher, you know. And then what are you teaching? You know, you're teaching the nonverbals. You're teaching all the other things, you know. It's so many bad habits. It's so many bad habits that becomes cultural, becomes normal. And you're like, okay, this don't fly everywhere. But you're not being disrespectful to my mother does it, my daddy does it, my grandma does it, my neighbors do it. So why shouldn't I do this too? But when you are consistently doing something and people start to admire you, now they're looking at you, wait a minute, I like JJ. I want to be like JJ. That's what they call me here, right? So the point I'm making as I really start to get into this journey is I left a place that I absolutely loved for a place that I absolutely loved just as much, if not more. I mean, it's, 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 it, you can't compare teaching in China to a happening life in L.A. But why do you need to compare it? Like one day I ate at this restaurant, the next day I ate at this restaurant. Why do I need to compare it? Both restaurants are delicious. So I had a, I really enjoyed my life when I was in L.A. doing all the things I dreamed about when I was a kid. And I really enjoy my life now. As I'm dealing with all these different kids, man, doing all these different things. So that takes me back to the night in Long Beach when I heard the voice. The voice is absolutely right. My mama always, be careful. You can be the devil. <laughs> but ain't no damn devil this good, man. Because if I, if I really looked at everything, that's the pros and the cons, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs. My life in China has been 97% great. That's including dealing with the negatives of the pandemic that we're in right now. It's been 97% greatness. And so I listened and I left everything behind, man. And I can't say it worked yet because that would be cheating even that I'm still on this journey. I, I can't say it like that. But what I will say is I listened I got up right away. I didn't put any extra blocks in my way. I got up and I listened and I did it. And I'm happy I did it. I appreciate this journey so much.